body in front of him. Trying to look, he throws it alley. Oh! Welcome in to the Just Basketball Show for Monday, July 24th. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brennan Clean. As always, we're produced by Dylan Heiser and Jake Stevens. Today's show is going to be all about under-the-radar NBA storylines. We're also going to discuss how the NBA could duplicate the quarterback series from Netflix. And we're going to talk about the Hulu original film. Calling it a film might be a stretch. White men can't jump. Um... Everybody's been waiting with bated breath to hear our thoughts on Jack Harlow. So the day has come. Don't worry. Uh, Brandon, there are two people I want to bring up first in that movie discussion before Jack Harlow that I enjoyed much more than what Jack Harlow was doing in that in that film. Um, I'm curious if you'll be able to guess them when we get there. But I want to tell you also about our friends from Homage. Remember, founded in 2007, Homage is an ultra-comfortable specialty apparel company that uses vintage-inspired designs to pay homage to the greatest story traditions and figures across sports, music, and pop culture. They have a bunch of great licenses, WNBA, NBA, NFL, MLB, and more, and hundreds of other unique lifestyle and pop culture designs. They're not just another fan teacher company. They craft the softest, most nostalgic clothing for sports fans, pop culture aficionados, and everyone in between. Go to the link Both in our... our shirts in, on. Well, I don't actually. I have a. Oh. I have another one. I have a, wow. another company's T-shirt on. Wow! Hide it. Then. Put a put a piece of paper. <laughs> tape it over. Uh, okay. I wore. I, I did wear my Jimmy Butler shirt yesterday and got some compliments on it. Uh, so oh, I've gotten was... a compliment on the Jimmy shirt too. The the lasso. It's 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 yeah. perfect. It's a great shirt. Uh, but click the link below. Buy or something nice. Buy or someone you care about. Someone something nice. Some of the money comes back to support the show. All right. Brennan, let's start with the quarterback series and how the NBA could duplicate us on Netflix. Um, this is uh, this is a concept for sports that I really like. There's there's this is like feels like the modern streaming era evolution of a of a kind of book that used to, we used to get every so often. The two that come to mind, uh, Chris Ballard wrote one in a, a long time ago. Now um, I read the it like the beautiful game, right? Is that what the Art of the Beautiful Game? Yeah, the Thinking Fans Tour of the NBA. He went in. He talked to. LeBron, he talked to Steve Kerr about shooting. He talked to Shane Battier. Like the Shane Battier stuff is what stuck in my head the most from reading that book. Yeah. Yes. The way he would talk about how he would like smack Kobe on the forehead and stuff when he would defend him, just like the mind games of being like a yeah. stopper like that. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That book um is one of my I think the best bass books ever. It's it's up there with like loose balls and um, you know, breaks of the game. I think it, it's it's underrated, and as far as like a sports book can be underrated. There's also Grant Wall's um, Masters of Modern Soccer. Art rest in peace to Grant Wall. But he went around a couple years ago and talked to like Manuel Neuer and a bunch of other great soccer players, football players, about their approach to the game. And it was like chapter by chapter by position. Basketball, Brendan. I think if we were going to do this, I think I I think if I was going to build this, I would want it to be like a defensive masters kind of thing and i'd want it to be kind of historic if possible like i would want kg i would want draymond and i would want like i you know pick someone from the 90s perhaps to kind of get that 90s nostalgia pull and it be not i think it would be about like building like great nba defenses i don't think that i think like the the other way you could go is just hoopers just get guys who are getting buckets um and and had do an episode on probably you do an episode on kobe and like talk about the, the influence kobe has had on the generation that exists like that's the way that's the other way to go i think i I don't think there is like a position 
in the same way there is a position in the NFL no. like quarterback. There's not like once not upon a, a time maybe it could have been point guard, right? Or but like, like that or like shooting really guards, exist. or like there was like a scoring guard mold that used to exist sure. that doesn't exist exactly. But like part of the thing, and and like again to the reason we're talking about this because is because quarterback has been like a big hit for Netflix and people really love it. But I think one of the things that you're able to do with that show that's part of why it's good it's really good is the quarterback is is also like it means something for the off field and leadership aspects of the team there's the pressure elements like episode one you already have Kirk Cousins going to the team psychologist because of you know trying to deal with the new offensive coordinator and he's trying to then like distill that for the player like there is such an element of it so the where I went actually I like between your ideas I like the defense one um, because it, it kind of has those elements and I think it hasn't been done before as much. Whereas like the Hooper thing, you're kind of veering into like what every bat, what all basketball content is about. Like there's like the, uh, Kevin Durant show that's on Apple TV right now. That's like about like New York point guards. And it's like, I mean, you got good access, but like, okay, we've, we all know Greg Anthony. Cool. Like, uh, all right. But yeah. you know, I think the defense one would be cool. I just don't know if the defense one is sexy enough. That's why I said the Hooper one, and that's why like, I think the way you do it to maybe like add some nuance and craft to it, and the way you could quarterback is like, let's talk about footwork, let's talk about the evolution of shot selection, let's talk about the the strength component, the craft, or like component, how like the rules the have screwed you, right? Like there could yes, just be guys yes. being like, defense used to be a lot easier, well, and yeah. like now yeah. you can't do this and that, and like take you inside how much their job is like gotten harder. Yeah, do six episodes on like hoopers and scoring. And then one episode is like you have Gary, you lead it off with like Gary Payton in a cold open talking a bunch of shit about how he used to be able to defend guys and how you can anymore. And you talk to like Shane Battier, you talk to well, Kawhi would be incredible. You never would get him. Uh, Draymond, like you, you talk to yeah. like the lead perimeter defenders we have now or guys or that like have Hakeem, like killed it. Something like that. Yeah. Right. Or like, or like someone I, you know, to get a little like real modern with it, someone like KCP, who's like been a really stout, like solid wing defender, not an elite elite one, but like a very good one on a team that just won the NBA championship. And you talk to him about like, okay, what, what do you, how do you approach this as a guy who is maybe def- defending above his steez a little bit at times, right? Like there, there's some, some part of that, that'd be cool. There was a really cool piece of content that the Celtics did last year when Marcus Smart got the DPOY trophy. Did you see another any of guy this? You I did. Yeah. Another, and another one that should just be should be in this for sure. But so Gary Payton gave him the trophy, like came to the Celtics facility, yeah. yes, and kind of like honored him with that. And I, I remember, I don't know if it was like a side interview that they did, or maybe just him talking about Marcus getting it and their relationship in a separate interview or whatever, but they obviously have a relationship and it. That was his big thing is he's like, I mean, I'm, he's never going to like back down from pumping himself up. It's Gary Payton. But like, he was also like, it's pretty impressive for a guard to, to get this. Cause obviously the other significance was it was the most, that was the last time a guard won it before smart was, was GP. So I think that type of stuff is cool. And those guys do have a brotherhood. So my thing, because of the idea of the off court and the leadership aspect and everything else would be to call it like superstar. But then you have to get guys who are all the caliber of Mahomes, you know, in the quarterback example on Netflix. But my idea would be to maybe take it if like somebody who uh, is a superstar, you only have to get one somebody who maybe for one reason or another has kind of been knocked off course in a little bit of the Kirk Cousins type of mold of like 
maybe, maybe not. This is one of like my last chance type of deal. And then somebody younger who's like kind of on their way, like Anthony Edwards or Shea Gildas Alexander or Tyrese Halliburton, one of these guys. Mariota is not quite that type of player, but that would be the idea. Um, I think that would be a really cool way to do it because then it's kind of the circumstances that go into like the the franchises on your shoulders and whatever. So it, similar to what we did with the booth, can we? You give me three for your defense idea, and I'll give you three for my superstar idea. Yeah. So if I'm gonna go deep defense, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do five. Can I cheat and do five? Sure. I mean, yeah. if you're okay. paying for it, you got the budget. Go for it. Um, we should just say uh, solidarity with SAG after and and the writers guild. Just to be clear, can I say not Jack Harlow, or is that like? cruel of me he's got other revenue streams we'll talk about him yeah, later guy, but i solidarity with everybody besides jack harlow if he's if he's a member yeah i don't wonder if he's in sec i don't know um watch he's like on the Oscars. don't you kind of have like to be go. once you're like on a set and stuff for like safety yeah but like yeah but he also probably gets health and he probably definitely makes more than twenty six thousand dollars a year for health insurance which yeah, uh I would think. yeah yeah i would hope so um so okay here's my five i want yeah. draymond I want KG. I actually want Dray. Here's what I think. I want Draymond as the first episode, and then I want Draymond. I'm gonna pay Draymond a lot of money to like do this and do the interviews with people. Okay. Because I think so he would the, do really so well. So he's at like it. the Peyton Manning overseeing. It yes. All. He. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So he's my like lead figure of this. Draymond, KG, um, Marcus Smart as the guard. I want to do like a Jaron Jackson like young switchy big kind of thing and i want a brooke lopez episode i want a brooke lopez episode about how uh, brooke lopez awesome. evolved how brooke lopez what went into him evolving from post up not a good defender big slow feet brooke lopez to defensive player of the year multiple candidate multiple times over brooke lopez and you'd also get you could have a bunch of great clips of robin lopez just talking a ton of shit about his brother Brooke Lopez is like, he's just not quite a big enough name to do like a book or something centered on him, but you can pretty much tell like the whole story of the NBA's evolution through him if you wanted to. Yeah. So that's why I'm like shoehorn. He's like going to be episode three. I'm going to shoehorn him in mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we're going to do something really cool about that. And then we're going to like go back to like a, a much bigger name. We'll go to like Marcus after that and or something like that. Sure. All right. So my, um, my big uh, fish that's that's doing it all is going to be Shaq. He's the Peyton okay. Manning for for the superstar edition of this show that that I'm concocting. All right. Um, the the biggest person, kind of like the the Mahomes edition of this, is kind of interesting because you want somebody who's accessible and will talk which is what's so impressive about Mahomes being a participant in this show. I mean, he's kind of vanilla, all things considered. He's just so great. There's not like anything controversial about Patrick Mahomes, whereas a lot of NBA superstars, there's controversy because people just like to yell about them on the internet. Yeah, and there's not like a cool nickname. Like he doesn't have like the Joe Shiesty, like Burrow, like, mm -hmm. like kind of like vibe a little bit in that way. So where my mind went, although it's a person who a lot of content has been made about, is Steph Curry. Oh, see, I th I think there's a better one. If I'm gonna, okay. if I'm gonna get, tell me, it's Gian it's Giannis. Oh, okay, yeah, Giannis is great. Giannis is perfect because we haven't really been taken inside like that. Whereas with Steph, it's like, okay, the kids, the wife, golf, 
He Great. he just produced he North just Carolina. produced his a he just produced his own like eight with eight twenty four documentary yeah. through Apple. Like he he we there, there's like there is a really good Giannis book in the way there's a really good Steph book. Uh, Mirren mm-hmm. Fader wrote the Giannis one. Uh, Marcus Thompson the second wrote yeah. the Steph one. They're both really good reads if you want a good basketball book to check out in, in August here. But Giannis would be accessible. He we know from the uh, the the quote. Uh, that he gave about failure that like yeah. he can go to different places. He has a really positive view on a bunch of things. No, he'd be I think he, I, he, he's the answer. I think he's the answer. He would do it. All right. So Giannis and then the sort of like teetering or like trying to prove it mid career, what's going to happen, whatever. I want to go Donovan Mitchell. I, okay. I was going to be like, that's the answer, but I didn't want to get the buzzer. So I'm glad you said it. Cause he, okay. he's the one he's the and two he playoff flame outs. Mm-hmm. He would so having been around, covered him in person for you now. He would talk, and you'll get, he'll say a lot sometimes without really saying anything because that's what all superstars do. But he also will say things like enough where it's interesting. And I think if you did it through like at the right moments, I think it could be. I think it could be really interesting. All right, and then I already said the up and comer, and I think it would be Anthony Edwards. Like, yes, that, yeah, that's just with a boy. I mean, already has a Netflix relationship with uh, with Hustle and like. Uh, just like he, he, he would have, he would not hold back whatsoever. Um, the only reservation I guess you could have there with two of the three guys we've picked is like, they don't really have a lot of like family stuff going on in terms of like wife, kid, brother, sister, like people that are well known in that world. That's kind of like, Oh, and I went to Miami to watch Messi's first game or like with Ant, it's like, I played video games, you know, whatever, but they could make it work from a basketball standpoint. Those three Giannis Donovan, and that's like a perfect lineup. I would watch the hell out of that. Yeah, I mean the Donovan one. I think you have like you have the. I think the playoff failure stuff is like very on the surface with him. Mm-hmm. I think the New York stuff is always going to play really well, and then he kind of like that. I mean, like that old annoy people, but like that is like a, an angle you can you can push in a certain way and do something creative with. Um, Ant will just be entertaining. Like, I, yeah. there's just no way you're not doing an episode on that guy and it's not going to come out like hilarious. Like, it's not it's going to be the funniest thing you, you produce that year. It's going to be hilarious. And you're going to I think like there is an a cool if you do it right and don't like lean into the Kobe tropes or just like do the same narrative. But if you really are able to get in the mind of a dude like that who works as hard as he does, there is always going to be some interesting nuggets to find. Like what drives you to be so insane about this stuff and so confident and everything else. Like, and is one of those guys, like you listen to interviews with him and he will just say like, I'm, I'm the best player in the NBA. And it's not like the cocky I'm doing it for Instagram. Cause like my, you, my AAU coach told me to say that once upon a time, cause it makes you sound good. And now I'm going to say what he t- like. No, he just thinks that. And like, I would love to just hear him elaborate on his, uh, on his cockiness and confidence. Cause it's earned. The the last guy that I would want to shoehorn in and into yours somehow is Shay because I want him to just have to decipher his Instagram captions on camera. That whole Thunder team is very busy on social media, and uh, I'm we'll see how that That's goes not, as they get better because it's it's, uh, it's cute now, but we know what happens is what I'll say. Yeah, that the grit. That's really where Grady Dick should have ended up, just from like a content standpoint. Yeah, no, that's true. The they, weirdest filling, they have their white guy quota filled though with with chat yeah but but that's like the that's the king of the weird white boys yeah brendan how many i i, I don't want to tell you how many times i've watched that clip that like can't like that Rosillo had the tweet of like max player 
the clip like under that tweet of like all the the compilation set to Funky Town of like all the weird dances and stuff he was doing on his TikTok. And then this guy's at the airport the other day and he's like first class, but he's got all of his clothes in a trash bag. It's like, what, Grady, like you have my, like the, the fuck man, get it, get a bag. Yeah. You have a bag now get a bag. Yeah. He is literally yeah, the weird. Literally. He is like, he is like the weird white boy that happens to also just be like an amazing basketball player. And, uh, I just, I, he, him on the thunder with making TikToks with Josh Giddy. And like commenting on Shay's Instagram. Oh captions, yeah, just they have it. Josh Giddy too. No, their their quota is more than they're good. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they got, he's like beyond, the Aussie. So. Yeah, okay. But Grady Dick is like the king. Like the other kind of thing you could do is if you did like a YouTube thing, and it was just like, I, like you ever watch the Serge Ibaka like cooking, like eat with Serge yeah. videos? I want like I want him to like do that now, but like with just random guys in the league. Like first we feast fun this and that's like let's do like hot one seasons but with eating the surge. Yeah, I want uh I want an NBA thing like this. It it made me jealous. I'm I'm gonna be honest. That was the impetus for me suggesting we we cast our own is like show's really good. I'm not even like mm-hmm. a huge NFL person and I was like, I'm in Yeah, I'm not either. Yeah. Um making your game more accessible and then you do a WNBA version of this as well. Like you do like so, some kind of I like a like or you, you just put Asia in the in the in the big one. Beautiful. Yeah. You do it and yeah. you call it a day. You, you have a W episode or you do the buckets when you put Stewie in there. You put Kelsey Plum in there. Honestly, Brennan, you could do a whole you could do a four parter just on you could do you could do a six parter just on Achilles recoveries and I would watch it. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a lot here and I hope uh I mean, congrats to Turner. I'm a, you've, I'm a, you've gotten the website and the Bleacher Report stuff, but like the NBA should be thinking a little more creatively with I'm uh, the content uh, side of like it doesn't just have I'm to be a, an app. We are available for uh, production <laughs> consultations at reasonable rates after you strike a deal with the unions. All right, uh, let's go to our main topic of the day under the radar. Well, actually, you know, what, Brennan, I think we should just do white man can't jump and get this done. I think we should like save the big stuff. I just want to get this done and I want to move on and forget that. Like, um, this this movie sucks, man. This movie's garbage. It's a two. First, like I gave it a two, two star out of five. Okay, two I gave out it of one. five on Letterbox. Okay. I gave it one, and I like, I was being kind. I guess this movie sucks. I'm this already garbage. thinking. First of all, uh, to set the stage, I watched this sandwiched between my Barbenheimer experience on Saturday. <laughs> I didn't finish it, so I did finish it this morning while I was eating breakfast. Uh, but I watched like an hour of this movie during my okay. break between Oppenheimer and Barbie. Um, so really weird palate cleanser. Maybe that Jack Harlow is a Ken. Jack, Jack Harlow is a Ken. (laughs) Yeah, that's very fair. Um, so yeah, I, I did not like it. I I will say I told my wife cause she was sitting there while I was watching it at that, that hour or so and yesterday, I told her the first 15 to 30 minutes, I literally said, this is better than I wanted it to be. Like it's catching my attention cause like the beginning is just charm. Right. And I actually feel like Jack Harlow and I don't know how to say the other leads name. And uh, I feel Sinequa bad. Wall, well, Sneakwa Walls, I think. OK. Sneakwa, is that it? It's, I, I don't know. I think um, so. I'm, yeah. OK. I feel bad, but I've never heard it said. He's not that big of an actor. Uh, we'll call him Kamal because that's his name in the movie. Yeah. They're just able to like charm it up and, and like be bro and like kind of, you know, be on basketball courts and kind of joke around and. I was like, okay, like this kind of has the vibe of the original movie a little bit. Um, and then once it has to generate emotional stakes 
and like the basketball pressure gets ramped up. It just is the most corny, absurd, ridiculous thing. Um, I have some some specifics here, but what was? Did you like the original White Men Can't Jump? Like, do you have a relationship to that movie? Did it matter to you? Do you do you like it? I it was a this was a, that's a cable classic for me. Um, yeah. The last time I actually had watched it before I rewatched it after watching this one. Um, okay. Was I watched it at Summer League in 2021? It was like one. Of the, it was like that in the purge run back to back at like midnight when I was uh, in my hotel room and I was just like, okay, I can't go to sleep, so whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one has a lot of charm, yeah, and it has the benefit of having Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes, and Rosie Perez. Like it's just like what it, it's the, like that is exactly the thing is they made this movie a joke before it even came out. Like they made it seem like the original White Man Can't Jump was some sort of like campy dumb movie, and it's like it's silly. It is a it is not like Woody Harrelson's Oscar reel of like when he passes away 50 years from now and we're all sad that Woody Harrelson is gone. It's not going to be playing clips from that movie, probably. But it's a beloved movie that's well acted and like a legitimate real movie. Whereas this one, it's like you're putting a pop star who's never done a single thing on film in his life. And that's what like, come on. It was it was it was blasphemy from the very beginning. Um, Yes. Also, also just here's the here's the other reason why. R.I.P. Lance Reddick, a king, one of our best actors. And he's just like in this movie for like five minutes. And it's just like, what? The like, hilarious. Got, and like, and it, what? it's weird that he passes away in this movie. Like, that's just an unfortunate, like, yeah. I, sorry to spoil it for people. I'm, I don't feel too bad. Considering that, like, obviously in real life, it, the timing aligned where you know we well, did he just died, yeah he died well he died right before John Wick four came out which mm-hmm. I thought was going to be the last time I saw him in a movie and I was like okay now like, it's this it's, now it's white man ketchup but the most insane part of the entirety of his storyline in this movie is that literally basketball kills him. Uh, yeah, he like, tries I get, to like, play basketball one last time and that like flares up his disease of multiple sclerosis and whatever like what are we doing okay basketball (laughs) like you're you're making it too high stakes like the first the original is like veering on a little bit excessive with how like seriously they take basketball this one was just like absurd jack harlow has a line shortly after we find out the fate of the dad where he says you don't need therapy basketball is your therapy that's a line like in this n- film. Yeah. Well, br- the bread, and there's also a line in this movie um, that I do have a few positive things to say, and I actually have a pitch of how I'd fix this movie. Okay. I do have a pitch of how I'd fix this. Do you remember the line? Well, number one, he says, P.T. Anderson, our greatest living director, like that Spike Lee, like, but who mm-hmm. the fuck calls Paul Thomas Anderson P.T. Anderson? Just like, I mean, I've heard that said, but also the context under which he says it, like the way he frames Paul Thomas Anderson as like what his importance is in society, I'm like, has the have the people who wrote this script ever watched one of his movies, or did they just want to plug in a white act, a white director <laughs> that, to, that, to be the it, difference between it, him and Spike Lee? It's that it reverse engineered it, and I was just like, "What?" Jeremy the fuck? Jack Harlow's character in this movie would never have watched a Paul Thomas Anderson. Movie. He, the the only the only one he has ever watched is Boogie Nights because there's a bunch of sex in it. That's literally the only one he has ever watched. Yeah, maybe Magnolia he's because he's like very uh, high full. He's like, and oh, like it, therapy, it, it, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But like has never watched the master has never watched there will be blood like zero fucking percent no. chance that guy is like, OK, probably doesn't know those exist. He probably thinks Magnolia or Boogie Nights are like the only one. And he heard about it one time. He's yeah. like what? He's like, what's heart eight? And I'd be like, what? Um, OK, 
the line that he says were Luca is the best player in the league, and if we acknowledge that, it would fix race relations in this country. It's one of the wildest things I've ever heard said. Like, out loud. I don't feel fully equipped to comment on the racial the racial discussions I, in this movie, but they are so over the top, especially from yeah. the Lorenzo dude, the non Vince Staples buddy. Oh, we're, we're, we're gonna get to like, Vince Staples because good for he him. He is just like every scene in the writing ends with him doing some sort of little clever quip about race in America. And that part Which of is it a Kenya really Barris rem- thing. Yes, it is exactly a Kenya Barris thing. It's exactly. Did you watch You People, the the Netflix movie? Uh, I no, I I refuse to like. Don't. Yeah, no, I'm. It's I'm, like I'm, Lorenzo like, in this movie, but the whole entire shit is just just yeah. Lorenzo's lines. It's ridiculous. But yeah, that so that the, was pretty yeah. unbearable. I'm not gonna lie. Well, it just all, wasn't like they, interesting or clever yeah. at all. No, and like the the other part about this that I found that took me out of it a little bit is the, so the guy they cast. I don't know if I only know this for like very weird reasons. And he has some stuff that's like somewhat funny, but um, there's the comedian Andrew Schultz plays the the guy that uh, Jack Harlow's character is buying drugs from. Yes. The, the, yeah, Andrew Schultz. Yeah. He he is like most known, I think, in broader culture for like saying some very problematic things about the COVID about COVID nineteen and using it to like kind of like stereotype Asian people. It's like what like what. It's like you, like like and like it's just like the whole energy in that is is very weird. Um, this whole movie is just like weird. I did enjoy calling the the joke about calling him a Harden. I did enjoy that. That was like maybe my favorite line of the movie. Like if you mm-hmm. wanted something positive, that was like a good line. Um, shout out to Vince Staples. I wanted to just I, I'm a Vince yeah. We Staples have is, let's get let's do best and worst cameo because I have well, that in here. The, the Vince a Staples few, is not really as many cameo. as like Hustle, but no, it's not really a cameo, but it kind of counts. No, but he got great robs. Um, we should rob him. Send him a message. Uh, I like Mildred. She cool. I just like Vince Staples. And have, have you watched Abbott Elementary? No. He's in Abbott Elementary in season two. Um, and like, I just, I'm a bit, I love Vince Staples. One I of love my favorite rappers. Nobody looks or sounds cooler than Vince Staples. Like you'd put him on screen and I'm like, all right, I'm jealous. Like he just has um, it. He's awesome, and I just really enjoy him getting, like, he was at least, like, somewhat enjoyable to me in this, in this movie. The best cameo to me is, is Tyler Hero at the end. That's it. More it's than the really Blake, it's, it, it's that one. Especially if you know that, that him and Jack Harlow are, like, boys. And Because he, ha- he has a song called Tyler Hero, and yeah. then, like... My- and then it, it's, like, playing on how Tyler Hero is, like, secretly a complete asshole, which I don't believe, but yeah. it's just funny. Um, yeah, I did the Blake Griffin one was too short to count, but it was kind of funny when he's like, well, he, this counts he, he, he as, pretty, as charity or like volunteer hours yeah. for me. Well, so like yeah. smile for the picture or whatever. And he did. Yeah. And he did produce the movie like he's on yeah. the he was like part of the production team in the movie. So like it makes sense that he's in there. Yeah, it's funny. Um, all right. I have my my main most hilarious, most insane thing that I can't believe did not. Maybe it did already go viral online and I missed it, but I don't think enough people watch this I, for virality I, to happen. That. So, at the beginning of the film, there is a scene, the, the, the intro scene where Jack Harlow, who is shooting like TikTok content with one of the kids that he's training, meets mm-hmm. uh, Kamal, the Cinqua, it's, it's Cinqua or yeah. something, uh, Wall's okay. character, and Shows off with the shooting, very similar to the original, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you didn't realize he could at least shoot, and then he has a little more to his game. 
which is my last nitpick that we can get to after this. So he he shoots, speaking of Luca, one of these like, at the very end of that scene, like the punctuation mark on that scene is he shoots like a floater three, like off one leg. Yep. Okay, so they use a stand-in, like I don't want to say stunt double, but they use a double for that because Jack Harlow can't make a shot like that. His basketball is by far the worst also, side note. He, you can tell I mean, when he, he had, like... He, well, he had to clearly like train to learn how to play yeah. for this. That was like a whole thing. There's a couple times when he's like coming off a screen and it's like the angle is all wrong and you can tell he's and like the, barely the, keeping the cut, his dribble. Yeah, the, yeah the, cuts, the cuts are like drastic, yeah. yeah. The drone shots with the basketball also really like unnecessary little flourish in this movie. So that shot of him making the floater three at the end of that introductory scene, he is using his right hand. At the end of the film, in the big basketball competition, which is somehow for $500,000, I don't think that type of thing exists for $500,000 in some random beach in L.A. What I I assumed in my head is that that was actually getting paid out in Bitcoin, and then none of these guys actually made any money because the value of Bitcoin plummeted the next day. That would be closer to the original, because that's the other thing missing from this movie is everybody, it's like the happiest possible ending, which is not how the original like fully ends. They they Disney-fied it. They Disney-fied it. Yes. Yeah. But so there is a scene in which Jack Harlow takes a shot, the Jeremy character, but it's actually Jack Harlow and not a double. And the man shoots left-handed. They got the hand wrong from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. They didn't get a double who actually shoots the same hand with the same hand as Jack Harlow. Like, how does that make it through enough rounds of edits on Hulu to be put up in a real freaking movie? That is the most like, oh my God. It, I literally went back and then I tried to screenshot it, but then Hulu doesn't let you screenshot, obviously, with copyright stuff. Hilarious. Movie scar. All right, here's how I would fix it to get it from like a... T- for, I'm, I'm going to change my letterbox grade, Brennan, to like a one and a half. I'm, I'm docking it half. Um, okay. I went to and, uh, someone who... Had, like Sean Fantasy has not talked about this in the big picture, but he gave it a two and I was like, okay, if, like, if Sean gave it a two, I'm just going to give it a two. It's, it's um, not going to be talked about on that program i'm just sorry to let you down it's you, only us can, can, it, we're the only ma- we're the only guys on the content block for white men can't jump can you imagine chris ryan talking about white men can't jump chris ryan come on the pod let's talk about white men can't jump and cormac mccarthy novels and the return of justified i'm i'm ready to go this is this is my moment sounds like that's not a, sh- a podcast called just basketball I, something tells me that that doesn't quite fit that's on game. a that's that's on the page that's on the that's on the after dark patreon we haven't launched yet um okay how would you fix it Okay, so you know how on his water bottle and he's making the TikTok content and then he has like his, his handle on his water bottle that he loses? Yeah. The way you make this movie modern and make it feel like something that could more easily happen is like you have them like, maybe not TikTok because they're a little old for TikTok, mm-hmm. but like Instagram or YouTube. Mm-hmm. He should be like, he should have been like a YouTube content creator or like a TikTok co- or an Instagram content creator. And they're making videos about them hustling people and they raise the stakes and raise the stakes and raise the stakes. And mm. like, you make it so like, like so like, it's video, not ju- like, yeah, you like make OG yeah. YouTube stuff. Almost. Yeah. Get, um, did you ever watch, um, American Vandal? I did not. Okay. There's a guy, uh, I can't remember his last name. I think his first name is Jimmy, but like, there's a guy with like a really deep voice in that show. Who's like, it's a, a Spoilers for American Vandal. That show on season one is about like who's drawing dicks on all the cars and and, and all around the school. He gets like falsely accused of it, and then he ends up like whatever. He bring him in as like the third. He's like he just like a a very humorous guy that actually can act really well and like goof around, make these dumb videos. 
and then they just like make this like a thing where they keep raising the stakes, raising the stakes, raising the stakes. And that's how like his girlfriend finds out. That's how mm-hmm. like this all gets big and they get enough like that's that's how you build it. And then you could say like Taylor Rooks at the end. Good mm-hmm. Taylor Rooks hope you got some Hulu money for this <laughs> interviews. him. it's like, oh, like you got this deal. Like because it doesn't make sense that he wins a three and three tournament like in his late 20s. And then is able to go play in China and then end up in South Bay and then get attended. Like, it was like that path doesn't make any sense. No. It but also doesn't make like a sense vir- that all the, the people who recognize him don't know what happened to him when he like yeah. beat the living shit out of somebody in a high school championship game yeah, or whatever they, it was. Like, and they're all yeah, like, they're just, what's up, bro? Why aren't you like playing in the NBA? It's like, how would they know who he is but not know how that whole story ended? Uh, yeah. Also, like that scene has like some real charge energy to it that I was just like, oh, boy. OK, it gets it's a weird. white kid. It gets yeah. real weird. But you, if you incorporate like a YouTube component of this, mm-hmm. I could see you it. could make you could make it like make a little bit more like the spine of the movie would make more sense if you actually like were digitally like chronicling some of this. Because like the, the the part of what makes the the 90s one work, aside from like the really the, the, the bonkers, good actors, it's the fish out of waterness. Yes. And these like and it's, two not overdone. People can, it's not overdone. And it like feels like it fits the time. This feels like they tried to take the cliche is like basic things possible about 2023, throw them in there. And that was enough. Yeah. I don't get it. It was weird. No. I'll cap us off by saying he can dunk in this movie. Yeah. It wasn't even a, re- it really wasn't even a remake of the original movie. No, like it very was, little of the qualities yeah. of it outside. Like they don't, they're not really hustling either. Like they kind of just don't. show up at parks and like, no, they try they, to. They don't like to get people to play them, but it's they, not like they, the traditional setup of a hustle where it's like, who's that white boy? Like, which is very core which, to the original movie. Yeah, they they don't show you the fun parts of this, which is them like goading people into playing them and then taking their money. No, you just and see they, them they, like they, almost like it's like a little like tournament that they'll like all of a sudden they're just playing. And then there's yeah. a flamethrower yeah. at one point. <laughs> well, so that and that's like yeah, that's like a callback to the first one. And it's like, how yeah. do we make this scene more absurd? It's like we're gonna give a guy a flamethrower, and it's like, what? Yeah, it's yeah. He can dunk, and there's no bet like there is in the. It's just like it seems like they were too scared of leaning too much into the original, and they wanted to like give their take on it, and they just were not. There was not enough brain power and talent involved in this movie to make it get over the top. Jack Harlow is nowhere near as charming or talented as Woody Harrelson. Wesley Snipes is the god. There's no competing with that. Kenya Barris wanted to do his whole thing in here. It was just it was just too much. It was Alright, let's R.I.P. Lance Reddick. I can't believe that's the last movie I ever saw. Hopefully you. there's another one. Uh I hope to God. I hope to God or else I'm just gonna rewatch John Wick like five times. Which like I might do anyway. Alright, under the radar NBA storylines. Brandon, let's start with Jalen Brown's extension. Um doesn't have one yet. It was just in Spain. Seems like all the now he's going to come back and negotiate it. I it's just weird to me considering all the reporting is like, oh, it's going to get done. It's going to get done. It's going to get done. That this hasn't happened yet. That's why to me this this is an under the radar thing because it's just weird. This is just a weird one. It, the, what's weird to me is that they're treating like the extension talks, like the negotiations. Like you keep hearing Celtics reporters and other people kind of referencing that as if it's like, why would that not have started a long time ago? This is not free agency, you know? It's not as if they had to wait until June 30th to, okay, now we're legally allowed to talk and all this type of stuff. Like, that's been 
allowed under whatever rules you would want to be respecting for a long time. So the idea that they're kind of just now, like in late July, like really sitting down, that is the weirder part. Not so much like anything related to what he's allowed to do or not allowed. It's just sort of like what he wants, what they want. It's really just the timing of like, why did they not take this more seriously sooner? I don't understand. Um, like, are they, were they keeping their doors open for trades? Were they like, what, like, what is the holdup? I guess is like my big question here. Like it doesn't, we're not getting like massive indications of like what the real issue is here. It's just like, there's something in the water here that feels off to me in all of this. Yeah. I mean, it seems like from what Zach Lowe has said that it's kind of the smaller, is there going to be a trade kicker? Is there going to be a player option? Is there going to be, I don't think he can get a no trade clause. I don't think he would get a no trade clause, but it's some of that. I don't think any, is anyone ever getting a no trade clause again? Probably somebody will eventually, but if if Giannis asked for it, he would, he would get it. Probably would get it. If Luca Um, asked for it, but like no one else that's not that good should, should be able to get it. No, nobody that's like a fringe all-star like, like Beal was. Let me just ask you this. If, if I, cause we now have, if, if you wanted to, and I'm not even saying these all belong in the same level of, of likelihood, but we're kind of now looking at Harden and Dame, right? Plus now Siakam. And then on the very, very fringes, you're talking about Embiid and Jalen Brown, where it's like, if something catastrophic happened in whatever the relationship is between them and their team, in some version of events, maybe they get traded. So let me ask you this. If I set the over-under on trades of that caliber between now and the start of the regular season, so that includes training camp, if I set the over-under at two, which allows you to not just say Lillard and, and, and Harden, would you go over or under two? Or let's say two and a half. Go, let's say two and a half is the over under. I'm going to go under because I think it's Siakam and Harden, and I don't think anyone else. Well, I I think it's over because I'm going to go Siakam Harden. No, I'm going to go under because I'm going to go Lillard and Siakam, and Harden's going to stay put. I think that's going to get ugly. Okay, that that would be my guess. I just don't like if anyone is comfortable with getting ugly. It is Daryl Morey and James Harden. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe the maybe the Harden thing ends up like when he was in Houston or Jimmy Butler in Minnesota, where. It has to get like capital U ugly before it, it like, gets. Like how how thick can James Harden show up? <laughs> he's uh he's gonna push it. Yeah, how many, I would probably how go many over. C's? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would say it's probably Jalen and and Embiid stay put, and that that sounds obvious. But I would say Siakam, Lillard, and Harden all do get traded before the start. The Harden of the one, season. the Harden one, I just like have no. Read and the the Brown thing. It's like he's gonna get the biggest contract, like richest contract in league history. And it's like, is he ever getting traded on that? I mean, that's the thing. Like, it feels like this one outside of what followed, which was a series of injury problems. It feels somewhat like that first round of supermaxes of Blake Griffin and John Wall. Remember those? Like before Westbrook and Harden eventually got theirs. That's what this Jalen Brown extension kind of feels like, where it's like he has stuck it out and done enough for his franchise and the rules of the CBA allow them to do a big contract for him. 
So it's going to happen. But almost immediately, I think we're all going to know that's pretty big roll of the dice. And like that is a not great situation to be in, uh, considering the magnitude of all of it and how big the stakes are for Boston. But I do think it still gets done. I don't think he's going to get traded. But they're cementing that it's, like you said, going to be pretty hard to trade him if they do give him that contract. Like this is kind of their last chance to consider a trade. It just doesn't seem like they are. Yeah, look, there are going to be other insane contracts they could trade it for, but it's like, this. And look, Jalen's also an interesting guy. Like, he's going to have a unique perspective on this. Um, we all remember his kind of media tour at the end of last season where he was like, I kind of was like, is he trying to get his way out of Boston? Like, that's what it felt like at the time. And this, all of this is just a little weird, Brendan. Because um, like, if I'm Boston, it's like, to quote Don Draper, like, that's what the money's for. It's like, you want all this other stuff? Like, we're just going to give you the most amount of money that you possibly could get. Yeah. The past six months have definitely not been, if you're the Celtics, like how you would have wanted things to go heading toward this extension, (laughs) including the loss in the playoffs. That's the most egregious, you know? So here's here's the last thing I'll say on Jalen. I get why Boston would do this. I think like their offseason would indicate that they're very much... They're still building around the Jays. This is still a Jay-centric franchise. But they have adjusted things. I mean, they're not going to be able to switch as much. Marcus is gone. Porzingis is in. Like, it's a different looking team next year. It just is. I wonder what their patience will be and or their, what their trust will seem to be in Jalen to do something a little bit different than what we've seen from him. Like, does he take on, like, a more of a lead ball handler role than we've seen just because they need someone to, to absorb some of that now that Marcus is gone? Um, I wonder if they think there's untapped upside to him in a way that maybe we're not considering. I don't know if I fully know it's there unless his handle drastically improves. But I wonder if there's some hope in their case that it's like, okay, we we're, we're yes, we lost Marcus, but maybe he can be a big leader and maybe he can he can do more than we've seen. Yeah, he was a raw prospect. He's about to be 27, so the significant improvement tends to slow down, but it's not impossible. Uh, you want to yes. go to the Knicks? Yeah, let's go to the Knicks. So you brought this one um, up in our kind of pre-show chatter. Let's talk about the Knicks not having a, a general manager, Brendan. Tell me, tell me about where your brain's at on this. I mean, it's just a similar thing. I mean, it's it's an under-the-radar, pretty important storyline. And Scott Perry, who's been the GM here, dating back to the last regime, is did not have his contract renewed. And obviously, we know like Leon Rose is the person who gets talked about in this front office the most. But... The general manager is the guy on the ground typically in those arrangements. You know what I mean? We underestimate the significance of these people, but to just not have one is very strange. And then you bring in the fact that dating back to some of the Donovan Mitchell talks last year and some different things over the past year or so, Gerson Rosas, who was the president of basketball operations in Minnesota and was in Houston for a long time before that, who had to leave because of a relationship with a woman in the front office over there has been working as like an advisor for the Knicks. Is this setting up for him to get another shot? I I don't really have a big opinion on if that's good or bad. I don't think he did a great job in Minnesota. Uh, You know, traded for D'Angelo Russell. That was a pretty big mistake. Got rid of Andrew Wiggins. I think everyone was ready for Wiggins to be gone there, but he blossomed elsewhere, right? Like those aren't great. And then The last leg of this is they're the team that we're talking about with Embiid 
right? And so I don't think the Embiid thing is close as we just discussed, but you stack all those things on top of each other. It is a pretty like, it is a, it is a franchise that will always have pressure on it, but seems to be building toward a big move that now lost its like lead tactician in the front office, which is what most GMs do when there is a big time president in the most kind of important time for, for making that move. It's just a set of events that leaves them in a weird spot. And maybe it is just Rosas and maybe they end up in a better situation as a result. I don't know, but it's very strange for a big NBA franchise to just not have a GM in late July. The You said it right. The Knicks are the team in waiting for a big trade. What does no GM mean for that? Um, I don't think we know. And I, and you know, the Embiid would be the most logical one. There's been the reporting and chat about there, how they are, you know, looking at guards or not looking at not pursuing guards in the same way anymore. Um, they're probably looking for bigs, you know, like they, I, I would have the, I wonder, you know, like what, the, what the new, the new voices in there had to deal with the Obi Toppin trade. Uh, Cause they don't have a backup power forward right now, like at all. And they basically like got very, nothing for a top 10 pick. I mean, two seconds. Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's like, okay, but I think Toppin's probably better than two seconds. It might never yeah. like turn into anything real. Right. Um, he's still pretty young, does some things really well. Like I, I, I'm in, I, I, we've talked about this. I like the fit for him and Deanna quite a bit and, and what he's going to get to do as far as playing, maybe playing a little faster with, with Talburn and, and getting a chance to grow a little bit in that situation. I think that'll be good for him. Well, they also have the Emmanuel quickly extension, which we talked about last week. That's sitting there. I guess I would just ask you, do you like what, they've done since like do you feel like they're in a good spot because as much as they've been a good story and they've gotten closer to respectability when you really think about an mb trade or just sort of what the next gm is inheriting or just kind of where they are in this grand master plan since switching over their front office and trying to get things cleaned up there they're not on the level of like the nets before kd and Kyrie came or the clippers with shea before you know, uh, Paul George and Kawhi came They're They're like a pretty sick or the Cavs before the Donovan Mitchell trade, you would say, right? Like they're, they're a, they're a tick below that. I mean, their best trade asset is Quentin Grimes. That's so, not yeah. a, a blue chipper that you're going to like Daryl Morey is going to just be crying tears of joy to get their, their strength is about the fact that they are the next team to to get a star and accelerate what this is to move on from this version of the I would say the Rand, the Randall era Brunson is going to be a part of that whatever comes next year he'll, he'll get kind of pegged down it's like a number two role I think ideally that's probably where this goes he'll be the lead ball handler if it's Embiid or whomever but it's going to look a little bit different but like even even that they just beat the Cavs they spanked the Cavs in the playoffs beat him pillar to post I physical them. You look at Cleveland's roster; it's like they have Mitchell, they have Garland, they have Mobley, they have the Jared Allen trade chip, and they're going to start in time, like having some picks and things they can move um, on draft nights and things. Like Mobley and Garland is just like a longer term like upside with Mitchell, and, and you could flip him for stuff too. Like the Cavs have these like outs. Oh, the Knicks, it's like you're waiting as a point of, like to, as a point of comparison, you are waiting for them to do something. And their roster right now is kind of in a weird spot. It's a lot of guards. It's like Randall, who's like a good innings eater, but I'm not in love. It's solid, but not great center play. Like they might be the four seed again this year with this roster, and that's fine. But I th- they think they have higher aspirations, and it just feels like they're waiting until they can actually pull a lever. 
on something really drastic like an Embiid trade, like what a Mitchell yeah. trade would have been. Um, I mean, and is I, it and fair I wonder to say t- that they're like a tier below in terms of being able to make that trade? Because it's one thing to say, oh, we're waiting around for it, but that just assumes it's going to happen, that they're going to be able to beat other teams' offers and be the one to do that. It's not just going to happen because they're the Knicks and we 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 think that they're ready for it or whatever. That doesn't mean anything. Daryl Morey or uh, Masai Ujiri, whoever's going to be the one to give them their star, doesn't give a shit if they have the next, they're the next team up for a big trade, you know? Yeah, I guess I just wonder if at a certain point we've seen we've seen teams seen players dictate where they want to go to some degree and that works. And I you know, I, I think it, there's a different world where Donovan Mitchell maybe tries harder to make it clear that he only wants to go to New York and he ends up in New York. Mm-hmm. Like he has said on the record multiple times that he thought he was gonna be with the Knicks. Yeah. I think all of us assumed that he was gonna be with the Knicks. I think there's a world where like he or Embiid or someone, Giannis, whomever it's going to be, Luca, yeah. like whomever the guy who asks out is going to be is like, I only want to go to the Knicks. Get me the Knicks. And so you that, think and, their and deal in a world where Tyler Hero is a sticking point because Damian Lillard has said he wants to go somewhere and the Portland Trailblazers have said not good enough. You think that the Knicks package is good enough where that stalemate wouldn't happen and that they could just get it done. And kind of like the Suns with Durant or the Lakers with Anthony Davis, where it's like, that's where they want to go, but also the deal's good enough, so whatever, we'll do it. Do you think that the Knicks are like at that point at least? I think they could get there with the amount of picks. If you can talk yourself into all the picks and all of it, like the Knicks, here, here's what I'll say. The Knicks don't have, the, you're right, the Knicks do not have the blue chip guy. Quinton Grimes is a really solid player, but he's not like, oh my God. RJ Barrett is not, oh my God, we got RJ Barrett. Like we're, we're going to pivot here. Per, right, we're, we're going to not be able to pivot here perfectly. The amount of picks plus a star that is like, I want to go to the Knicks. Finally, someone will pick the Knicks in this modern NBA era. Whoever it is, if it's the right guy and it's worth all those picks, they'll be okay. It's I they are they I think it also helps, Brendan. I would say that this era where they've been more competent, I do think helps. Like I do think it'll be easier for someone to go there. Because like they've just not been a joke, and like maybe Tibbs isn't the perfect coach for whatever that star is going to look like. I would have my skepticisms that he's like a great, great playoff coach at this point. I there's still some other roster stuff to figure out, especially what you give up will be really telling. But if it's a pick centered offer and someone agitates there, I do think they're in a good enough spot to get something pretty big done if if it breaks that way. I think that's fair. Uh, which one do you want to go next to? We have three, but not a lot of time, so I'll let you pick. Uh, let's. Let's do the Knicks don't have a GM or excuse me, the Giannis knee cleanup one, because um, this has direct implications on the title picture for next year. Yeah, he he got a surgery. Um, He's uh, allegedly not going or not expected to play in the World Cup next year. It was July 6th that the that the surgery was reported, Uh, but I don't think it was. It says several weeks back as of July 6th. So that tells me early to mid-June was when this surgery happened. Um, I always think of Brian Windhorst, who's the the king of saying there's no such thing as a minor surgery, minor knee surgery, um, which I feel like is true. It's, if any as regular someone, human being had a knee surgery, you wouldn't be like, oh, no big deal. Like, deal with it. <laughs> Brendan, as somebody who said knee surgery that uh, my doctor called minor, uh, didn't feel minor when I was like not able to like do anything for a couple of weeks. And I felt like it just, my, my knee felt weird. Even now it's like, yeah, you can feel it. Like I could, t- I could tell you ex- like my knee clicks. Like I'm yeah. not even, I was not even a good athlete 
Like I didn't have to quote Junior Sprano, I didn't have the makings of like a great varsity athlete, but like my knee clicks and it's like, yeah, at some point Giannis, it's like, this is a big man. Like, this, yeah, this is a 28 year old big guy. Well, and he had the, the, the back thing, the lower back thing in the playoffs that stole his minutes. I don't think these are related, but, um, yeah, but the back, but the back stuff is like, to me, like indicative that it's like, you are a little bit worn down. Um, like Kevin Love had this for a while where he kept getting like back spasms and it was just like, you've played a lot of minutes. Your body at a certain point does just get beat up. Like your body take it like, like as much as we're in this modern era of medicine and modern era of everything, like this stuff does just like playing a ton of minutes and playing physic physically adds up. I think Giannis right now is, is just at a point where all the stuff he's done, all the physicality and all the, all the minutes he's played I think is right now just a little bit catching up to Giannis. That's what this feels like. I think back to, you know, the, the interview that he gave following the finals where in the conference finals against Atlanta, the year that they won the title, he has that grotesque knee uh, out of position injury and then says to Sam Amick last year, like if anything were to have happened or even in the future does, like you could, it could really be ugly. I don't know if this is, a cleanup of, of something related to that or just general maintenance for a guy, like you said, who he doesn't play a, a ton of minutes, but he did earlier in his career under kid in the first few years under um, Mike Budenholzer and just has had long playoff runs effectively every year for five or six, seven years now. Um, but the real, so there's one small reason that this matters. One Greece is in the American group in the world cup. So it'll just suck to not have the Giannis versus team USA stuff that, we were expecting to get more significantly though, to your point, this is one that affects the title picture, which this is a season where a lot is riding on the bucks core veteran players who are not young anymore to stay healthy and make a big impact and, and chase a title. So to have your MVP, the be- the clear cut best player on your team who does everything for you starting the year with rehab of a, of a knee injury or knee surgery, at least, puts them at an even bigger deficit when it comes to who's going to win the title. I mean, that's a pressure season that's starting with a knee problem is just pretty significant. And then, you know, we we don't need to talk about the trade stuff, but that's already, you know, creeping up, right? Like people are mentioning that. So weird, weird summer for a team that had a lot riding on it. Look, Giannis's health for next year is the biggest concern for the Bucs. That's an older roster. There's a lot there that obviously is a little bit dicey here and there. Um, we'll see like if Middleton holds up we'll see if Drew hits a cliff we'll see if Brooke can continue being Brooke like there, and like it's a first year head coach like there's a lot of questions around a team that I would I'm still probably going to pick to finish like second in the east at worst right like I just believe in Giannis that much but if he's not healthy then like oh like buckle up like that's not going to be pretty like that team won't be nearly the capability if Giannis isn't healthy then it's just like no, I like mean, even in the regular season, I mean, the best player in the yeah. NBA being removed from a team that doesn't have a ton of other star depth, you're asking for problems. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, th- I think best player in the conference, just because I get Jokic, right? Like Jokic has the actual belt right now. That guy, that guy just won the title. I'm giving belt Jokic versus the... opinionated best. I maybe is that that can go either way. Uh, I think of Giannis yeah, yeah. as the best player in the league. You, we can can go to war over that a different day, maybe. Sure. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, let's do no deal for PJ Washington, who I just think Brennan is like a good player who has like a very like modern NBA skill set. I I understand this is maybe a conversation about what restricted free agency has turned into. 
and it just kind of screws guys that aren't like obvious, like really max candidates. Like it just kind of really leverages you in an uncomfortable way. Um, I just don't understand how he hasn't like found a home or and at least gotten some kind of resolution because I think he's a guy who is good. He's still 24. He'll be 25 next season. You're going to get him for a couple years. He's got a very modern skill set. Um, can shoot it at least well enough where I think teams respect it. Last year was the worst shooting year of his career, but he's still at like 35% on threes. Like, I just like this player, and I don't understand how he's still just kind of sitting on a purgatory a little bit here. It's another bad thing for the Hornets. They just, the Miles Bridges situation, somewhat out of their control at the beginning, and now under their control with continuing to try to negotiate and figure out if they can keep him, and then you know, drafting questionably to say the least this year. We'll see. I don't want to just downplay Brandon Miller before he ever gets a chance to to play well or look good or anything. I do think he fits their team, but he did not look great in summer league. And there's a lot of questions about why they made that pick. And the GM couldn't even answer the question of why they made that pick. And now this, I think PJ Washington is tailor made for the modern NBA. I think he could go to a championship team and be a rotation player immediately and uh-huh. and be one of those guys we look at and it's just like what the hell were the Hornets doing? You know? And and if they let him get away, that it's just a, a complete mess up of managing an asset. It feels like a situation where if a team actually tried to give him an offer sheet, like I've thought of Dallas with this what they did for Thibel, maybe even a little higher than that. They have He's, most of the mid level I mean, available. Well, he can he can play offense, and Thibault uh, can't really play offense. So exactly. So maybe they go 10, 10 starting salary for him. But I what I was going to say is I think Charlotte just matches that. But it's like if you're going to match it anyway, then just do the deal. Like this is how you ruin relationships with players. And he's a good player. This is not some guy who still needs to prove something. He has been productive and good in the NBA. So why would you jeopardize anything with that when you don't even? It's not like you're over the tax. It's just it's. It's just the most obvious thing in the world to bring him back. Apparently, he wants four years, $80 million. Would you give him that? Yeah. And look, so like this is this is where I was going to go with this. Jake Fisher had a really good story detailing a lot of this uh, last week after the last week, week before, whatever that was. Time is fake to me right now. Um, and after the Isaiah Stewart extension. And this yeah. is an exact I, I just pulled up the story. This is the exact wording from this from the story. Quote, Washington has not drawn an offer from the Hornets that reaches Stewart's salary figure, sources said, of $16 million per season. He's a better player than Isaiah Stewart, who I like. I don't think Isaiah Stewart's like a bad player, but P.J. Washington is worth that, if not more. And look, I understand from like an organizational perspective, you're trying and you're selling the team. and There's probably some financial complications to that. that you're like, OK, we have to be really judicious yeah. about our money here and we just give LaMelo all this money and whatever. But and I understand like the the most he could get on a mid level four deal is four for fifty, which is far away from what he wants. And maybe there's not a sign and trade at this point. And and again, I think restricted for ANT is really screwing guys that aren't obvious max guys. But this is a player that is worth sixteen worth more than sixteen years. And if I were him, and this has been reported, take the qualifying at eight point five. And at least have more freedom a year from now and bet on yourself a little bit. I think if in this situation, that's not an unrealistic thing for do. And and if Charlotte has to if Charlotte doesn't want to play ball in that case and just do it and go somewhere else. And maybe it's going to value a little bit more a year from now. Yeah, that's a big risk. I hear you. I, I think more guys should try to do that, but I do think that's a little bit easier. Like I always feel bad trying to tell somebody to you're stranding yourself. You're, you're taking one year deal and then hitting unrestricted free agency. He's, he was healthy this past year, but he's been, de- he's dealt with injuries dating back to college and, 
I mean, Miles Bridges is doing that, you know, for different reasons, but to just do it to kind of send an FU to the franchise is a is a rarity, but the thing I, is case, like maybe worth it. Might be worth it. I mean, I he is he is good enough that if he's even close to full health, he will get a pretty significant offer next year, I would think. Um and again, perfect for a great team and that's that's a great position to be in if you're PJ Washington, right? You're you're a coveted player type, you're productive, you're proven, you're hitting your prime, you're everything that a, a team should want. The Charlotte Hornets are just too stupid to see that. I don't know. I mean, I get this is how the, some of this stuff happens and maybe he does just end up back there and it's not that big of a deal. But the fact that he even hit unrestricted, the fact that he even hit restricted free agency in the first place isn't great. You know, this is a guy who could have gotten extension and now we're to the second part of what's supposed to be, you know, the team and the player kind of coming together on it. So, um, I mean, I would prefer to see him on a better team. I think the Hornets are one of the most confusingly run organizations out there. And I just want everybody good to to get to leave because it does not seem pleasant to play there. Uh, put him on Dallas, put him somewhere, and and he'll be good. Could be a sign and trade, could be an offer sheet, whatever. I just I just want to see it. If we if he does roll us over to next year, here are some teams right, right now. This could change, obviously subject to change, but here are teams with like the teams with fifty million or more on projected practical cap space next summer. The horn, the Rockets, the Thunder, the Pacers, the Jazz, the Wizards, the Raptors, the Sixers, the Spurs the Pistons, the Magic. In a not great star-level frequency market, mm-hmm. that might be a good opportunity for B.J. Washington to go chase a little bit more money if he can stay healthy this year and, and bet on himself a little bit. Like, you're telling me that, like, the Spurs wouldn't be like, yeah. like Or I even, play like, with- Toronto and Orlando are the ones that jumped out to me. Yeah. Yeah, Orlando, like, he, hey, Orlando, like, he'd be great with Paolo, could play with Franz and Paolo. Like, they could yeah. do, like, some he really awesome stuff. kind of stuff. that small ball five for them. I if I'm him, I would really consider that and at least have some more control over my situation a year from now. Uh, last one, we can do the Thunder real quick. It's just there's not a lot to analyze, but basically they cut Rudy Gay, so they are down to 19 guaranteed contract, which is legal right now. That's not what's interesting about it, but they have to get to 15 uh, by opening night. Obviously, you will probably see them cut Victor Oladipo, so that gets them to 18. Then you're talking about cutting one of the guys that they just got from Houston, which would be Garuba and Ty Ty Washington, cutting Isaiah Joe or Aaron Wiggins, who were non-guaranteed for them la- or who are non-guaranteed for them, but were pretty solid role players for them last year. And I don't think Joe's getting cut. Uh, and then apart from that, you're talking about guys who cost a, a good deal of money, whether that's Davis Burton's and the 17 million that he's owed or Trey Mann, who's been playing for them for a while and had a really good summer league, who they drafted. Uh, You're getting into some difficult decisions. Even if you cut Garuba in Washington, you still have to cut one more. Um, You're you're cutting guys who have shown promise or who you've invested a lot in. And this is just sort of... The reason it's interesting to me is I don't think that it's as easy as we make it out to be that the path after massive trades is always just cake. We think of it as like Utah, Houston, New Orleans, these teams that have had to trade away Brooklyn now who have had to trade away superstars. It's like, oh, they'll just be set up for 10 years. No problem. It's like those assets catch up to you. You can't just roster 15 draft picks a year for the rest of time. That's not an option under the rules. And so you end up having to make a different type of hard decision. And that's what's kind of staring the thunder in the face already. And they're not even like a bona fide contender or even closer. Yeah, I feel like maybe just like eat the Bertans money and like 
that's fine. Like I, I, whatever. I'd rather play other guys in that that spot anyway. Um, so you would go Garuba, many, Washington, and and Bertans, the guys that kind of yeah. mean the least to them. Yeah, that or if someone like look, I mean, if someone if someone offered me a reasonable trade for like Lou Dort, I'd listen to that. If someone came with like a overzealous offer for. Kenrich Williams, listen to that. I really like Kenrich Williams. The problem there is that this is a team that like doesn't really need any more draft picks. Like, what are you going to offer them that's like really think? It, or is there like a surprise? They're, they're really, it's like a consolidation trade that they need to make. Yeah, but I don't think they're I, at that I, point yet. No, but like maybe sh- here's here's what I would ask you, Brennan. Is Shea already good enough for you? Should maybe do something akin to that. I don't know who that is. Like I, the the perfect guy that I would think of if you were gonna like map roadmap someone for them to trade for would have been like Larry Marketing a year ago. Like yeah, I, this actually this should have been a John Collins consolidated. Like this would have been a good John Collins team. Except that only took a Rudy Gay who they ended up getting and cutting to get. So it right. wouldn't have been so, a consolidation. Right. 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 Yeah. Well, I, I guess like in a world where Rudy, like John Collins got traded for like nothing, but like is there a consolidation trade yeah. for like Larry Marketing a year ago that that's out there that we're not seeing? Maybe like Siakam would be the example now or something. I mean, I think like the point to me uh, that would make me not want to do that is Shea is good enough to answer that part of your question. What's not at the right moment is that I don't fully know what Giddy Chet and Jalen Williams are. Yeah. And so I don't want to yeah. I don't want to put something in front of them. Right? And that's kind of the weird spot that they're in right now is it's another year where Shea's going to sort of have to play ball with their patience. And I'm not questioning that he's he's willing to. I think he is and I think he's also good enough that it's not going to be some sort of tanking year. He, we ju- we've seen that already. So they're going to win. They might just not be like the 3 seed like maybe they could be in a few years and that's just a little strange, but that's why I wouldn't do one. Um, and, but the other part of this too is, you know, I, I would cut Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I don't think that yeah. he's, I, I just don't think I've seen enough. I, even dating back to Villanova, the athleticism is just not there. The shooting is not quite good enough. He's not big enough. It just does not feel like he has a really solid NBA role and he's making very little. Uh, so I would cut him and consider keeping one of the Rockets guys. But the other part of this is how the hell are they going to decide who plays this year? Like you get down to 15 roster spots, but that's already like 15 guys you're invested in and they're not going to play 15 dudes every night. So that's going to be its own kind of concern is like, is Poku just not playing? Is is it going to be year three of Usman Jang not, or maybe two, I don't know how long he's been in the league, like another year where you're just not even investing in him. Um, the other Jalen Williams, who was a big part for you, like, is there a roster spot for, for the Arkansas Jalen Williams? Like that's going to be a whole other aspect of this of like, guys just getting benched and not developing and we're not in a world where the g league is fully like a comfortable thing for guys it's just not like we're not in a world where like guys are just comfortable going to play in the g league or there's not like a stigma to it to some degree um and there's not like loans like you couldn't be like hey like we're gonna loan uh we're not gonna loan like like okay, like hey, we we don't want Davis isn't going to play for us against him. We're not going to load him to like a European club for six months so we can go play and we'll pay a salary. But like at least he's just like out of the like or we can go like two years ago. Jane could have just went back to Europe for like a year or like gone to New Zealand again for a year and played. And it's like cool. Like you at least do that. You don't have that option here, which makes some of the development. I agree, very difficult. Uh, and I guess that's why like. Mark Dagano, um, you know, he got this extension. I really like him as a coach. I, I think that's like the right hire so for this group, but I guess that's why you hire a developmentally minded coach. 
And it's why you have a, a superstar like Shea who has proven his kind of commitment, you know, and, and ability to be patient and everything else. Like, it's not an easy thing to do. That guy has probably gone through strange situations among the best of the best in this league. That guy has had to deal with the most shit. It feels like of, of maybe anybody in terms of not his own choosing, right? Like Clippers thunder getting benched to tank, getting to play, but not having his teammates be good enough, all that stuff. It's, it's a weird spot, but kudos to him for dealing with it. Well, um, we'll just have to see who, who they prioritize and who develops and what their team looks like. like but I mean, the like, big point like, is the, their superstars will continue to get better, but this stuff matters. Yeah. Also, Poku extension eligible. And like, how do you make a reasonable decision on Poku being extension yeah. eligible? Like, unfortunately, he's not getting one. I don't think. Uh, yeah, he just he's he's he is more intrigued to me than Sauce. And look, a year from now, Brennan, I would say this too. If Chet had not gotten hurt last year and we had seen him just be awesome last year, I think this might be a different conversation. Yeah, if he had also come in last trades. year, that's what I'm saying. If they if they had just more data and proof that told you like we have Jalen Giddy Shea and and jet we're ready to rock that i think this might be like a little bit different of a of a reality for them and who knows by the trade deadline maybe that's all it takes and they're ready maybe yeah, they someone, maybe they're like and they're, you know on a 50 win pace yeah. already and then they're like okay well damn we can trade dort plus some of these other young prospects dort jang and poku for you know something you know or whatever the, just get, it gets god, easier. god just call josiah and godfather offer for mikhail bridges but that's part, honestly, though, like thinking about it now, that's part of why the Burton salary might actually make sense to consider Because you get matched. Because yeah. you don't have yeah. any salaries on this roster because no, they're so like, young. It's the yeah. Rockets thing. Yeah. And the, and, the, and, the, and the matching stuff is more stringent now. You have to get closer to the value. So I think you might be, yeah, I think you're onto something there. Just keep Burton's around. Let him, sh- let him shoot a bunch of threes and worry about it later. They liked having Sharich and Muscala and those like they've they've liked that in the past. Those guys are a little Look, more I, centerish ha, than Burton's. Burton's is like also, a, a wing, really. But ha- but having adults in your locker room, I think, is good. Like I think just having <laughs> that's like a very guy, like, kind to Davis Burton's. If you heard something about his leadership that we haven't, no, he's just like not twenty. Yeah. Like he's thirty. Like at least he's like thirty years old. You know what I mean? Like that's a yeah. really young no, roster. Like. That's fair. I honestly think Oladipo would be kind of perfect, but I just don't they think should... they can afford to do that. Yeah, uh, Oladipo would be amazing play, for probably. It. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, Brendan, I'm going to break some news to you and the listeners. I had no idea that that trade had happened because until you said it, I literally just had missed that. And you do a basketball podcast for a living. What are we doing? Look, no, I you had know just where looked I at was. their cap yeah. sheet more. Yeah. I, it's not like I, I don't even know. I don't even remember the specifics of anything. I don't know what went back. I don't know. Obviously, the Heat just dumped him because they're trying to do this Dame trade and get under the tax and do all this other yeah. stuff. But I don't remember. I think it was just like they sent some seconds to Oklahoma City attached yeah. to Oladipo type of thing. But yeah, uh, poor for poor Vic. It's rough. It's rough it's that the rough Heat up. thing happened after his injury, and now he's dumped. And yeah, it's and now he's back in Oklahoma City. Technically, he should just. They should just, honestly wave him but then just like give him like a lot of money to work in your front office there's no there's no cap on that oh you're you're cutting him loose from the league he's done playing forever i think he's gonna try it again I okay would hope. but hey hey get access to a rehab facilities for a year and mentor meant help mentor our young guys you know what the full circle way to close this out is is what this is exactly like uh kamal in the 
white men can't jump. Just he's he's having to grip grasp his mortality as a pro. I mean, Jeremy too. You know, both of our main characters in one of our most uh, accomplished recent films. You're about to see Oppenheimer, Chris. So you'll have to report back on whether that or white men can't jump is uh, kind of higher in your personal rankings and record book. Uh, I could already tell you which one's going to be higher. I would not uh, count it out so soon. I mean, Oppenheimer, you know, it's only directed by one of like the most accomplished filmmakers ever, whereas the White Men Can't Jump was directed by a music video director. That Too actually, now that you said that, uh, should have got Lyrical Lemonade to make that if you're going to have a music director. That guy actually shoots like amazing music videos or like Hype Williams. Um, not real tough all right that's gonna be it for the just basketball show we'll be back on thursday or wednesday depending on when we record for more basketball content uh maybe we'll get some james harden stuff by then probably not maybe we'll get some Dame Lillard stuff by then maybe not we'll talk some w uh but until then this has been the just basketball show for monday july 24th again go click the link below support our support us by buying something in homage and thanks again to jill and heiser and jake Stevens for producing enjoy the hoops back at you later this week